Welcome to the 1611 Defense Podcast. My name's Kyle Kiker. This is Brother Mitch Knup. And we're here today with a brand new episode, Season 3, starting a series going over different attacks that non-King James Bible believers make against the King James Bible. And Brother Mitch, I'm excited about this. What about yourself? Yes, always opportunity to be able to exalt the Word of God is a it's a privilege uh, and an opportunity, not just a duty, but I thank the Lord for it. Yes, yes. So today we are going to be talking about a Greek, the Greek, a Greek translation of the Old Testament known as the Septuagint. Now that's a big word and, you know, somebody doesn't, hadn't heard it before, their brain's liable to shut down because, you know, it requires a little bit of thinking. But it's a big deal in what attacks have been made against the Old Testament of the King James Bible throughout the centuries since around 50 AD or so. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, we're going to explain what it is um, and kind of what it's not, and then the myth behind it. Uh, so it's, it's, it's going to run about... I don't know how long we'll go today, but hopefully not too long. We mm -hmm. might have split it up into two podcasts, so we'll we'll get going with that. Brother Mitch, take a take a couple minutes and explain to us what scholars call the Septuagint today. All right, the Septuagint uh, means the seventy. Uh, what they never have been able to explain is supposedly seventy-two uh, elders from each of the twelve tribes of Israel were chosen to translate the Hebrew scriptures into the Greek language approximately 285 BC under uh, Ptolemy Philadelphus. And that's the, that's the story. And of course that was uh, propagated by a work, a spurious work, which I have here called the Letter to Aristeus, which uh, is no proof that Aristeus ever lived or anything that he ever wrote. Uh, was authoritative, no more authoritative than the Book of Mormon or the Jehovah Witness literature or the Koran or any other spurious work. But that is the, uh, there's a reason behind that. The Bible said the oracles of God were given to the Jew yeah. over in Romans chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Mm -hmm. But see, Gentiles want to get in on that. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, Gentiles responsible for supposedly calling these councils together and getting this translated 285 years before Jesus Christ came to this earth. The reasoning behind that is that Jesus Christ supposedly and the apostles quoted from the Septuagint instead of the Hebrew Old Testament, which is disproven many, many times in the Bible. But what that does, that supposedly reconciles the difference in the readings between the Old Testament passages. You have 263 Old Testament passages that are quoted in the New Testament, but they're not quoted verbatim. And many, right. and many men have worried about that over the years. 
But Adolf Safir, I have the quote in my notes I don't have with me, but he said, I, I, he said, I was concerned about that and thought they had a problem. But then I realized through the Holy Spirit that the dispensational change between the New Testament and the Old Testament was the reason why those passages were not quoted verbatim as they are in the Hebrew mm -hmm. Old Testament. Yeah. And if you're a Bible believer, you've got to rightly divide the word of truth. You've got to be a dispensationalist or you ever have or if you don't, you have to appeal to some spurious Greek manuscript that's most of them not even extant anymore. There are about 30 that are extant now, but they all they contradict one another. And of course, uh, we Bible believers believe that God and his providence uh, preserved the Old Testament in the King James Bible through the Masoretic Hebrew text and the New Testament through the Textus Receptus, which was an eclectic text making up five Greek texts into one. And of course, those two texts are, are not available today where they can be uh, translated again into English because they don't need to be. And God has made sure of that, that the original manuscripts don't exist. Not only that, but the manuscripts that the King James translators used are not extant as well, not right. in print today. Right. So the, the premise behind it is because the Septuagint supposedly has the Apocrypha books in them. So when you hear that, you know where this comes from immediately. It has to derive from... Roman Catholic teachers that have infiltrated the body of Christ to try to bring the Apocrypha books, which are spurious nonsense books that were added in between the two testaments in the original King James Bible. Right. And they had seven reasons uh, they submitted why they were not inspired. They were just put there for uh, historical reading. Yeah. Right. And of course, later they realized that the, uh, that the histories contradicted one another so the premise behind it is to get the the uh to try to make you and i believe that jesus christ and his apostles um uh, quoted from yeah. not only the septuagint a greek translation of the new testament but that they also uh rejected the old testament readings in the hebrew but also that they quoted from the apocrypha books and there's not one which quotation they which yeah. they didn't so, so this not is one quotation. Yeah, not one quotation. Here's a by Lancelot Brenton, the LXX Septuagint. Now, when you are reading something and it says the LXX, that is referring to the Septuagint, LXX for seventy in, in Roman numerals. Now, to show you why this is a big deal, the table of contents. Well, I would hold it up, but the writing's so small, you probably couldn't read it. Um, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus goes on down to First, Second Chronicles, Ezra, then First Ezradus, Nehemiah, Tobit, Judith, Esther, First Maccabees, Second Maccabees, all through four Maccabees, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Wisdom, Sirach, Isaiah, Jeremiah's Lamentations, Baruch, Jezekiel, Daniel, Osi, and they have stuff at the end of Daniel like. Susanna, yeah. and uh, and one more, any more or two more, yeah. yeah. And uh, so anyway, and then it has Abacum, Sophonias, and anyway, so this is the LXX, the Septuagint, having those, as Brother Mitch said, spurious, meaning non-authentic non, non -authentic books. So 
the material that those books have in them is praying for the dead and, and different Catholic doctrines. So basically, if Jesus quoted the Septuagint, then it makes those books, which are part of the, of the Septuagint, authentic. Therefore, changing doctrines yeah. throughout the body of Christ. Yeah. Okay, So that's why it's a big deal. And it's part of the Old Testament where it's added to it. Now, that's the general teaching about the, the LXX or Septuagint. You'll hear scholars or different people say the 70. Now, since we got out what it is, we're going to talk about some why this whole Septuagint thing is a big... Uh, a big movie cover-up. <laughs> yeah, no, you can say okay. that now, mildly. First of all, before we get started, we should not be naive to believe that if God was working on the translators of the Scriptures all the way from the originals to the King James Bible, that the devil wouldn't have a part in trying to mess it up. No. Okay? That's something <clears throat> that I think some people don't don't grasp or at least do, don't think about it that the devil is going to have his hand in bible translation it's evident in genesis chapter 3 yes when he said yea hath god said to the woman uh so with that being said uh romans 3 as brother mitch brother mitch just uh talked about it verse 1 and 2 what advantage then hath the jew or what profit is there of circumcision much every way chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of God, the Hebrews, not the Greeks. So let's talk about, Brother Mitch, the things that don't make sense of why that there would be a B.C. before Christ Septuagint, why that's a big cover-up. Well, first of all, uh, in this volume, Ptolemy Philadelphus, who was building a library there, supposedly wanted the Jews' writings in his uh, library. And of course, in the letter to Aristeus here, he says that I want the, 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 the law of the Jews in my library. Well, the law of the Jews is the first five books, the Pentateuch. Right. But the so-called scholars claim that the entire Old Testament, the Tanakh, is uh, preserved in the Greek language from Hebrew. First, why it don't make sense, first of all, 285 B.C., uh, who knew where all the 12 tribes of Israel were? Yeah. It was supposed to be uh, men from each of the 12 tribes. Six of each tribe. Six of to each tribe. 72. Yeah, 72, which, which is, is a... not seven. LXX is 70. They've never been able to explain yeah. that. Yeah. But not only that... Um, uh, anybody that knows their Bible and believes this book's the word of God knows that the oracles of God were committed to the Jew, but they were committed to the tribe of Levi. Mm -hmm. They were not committed to each of the 12 tribes. And of yeah. course, uh, the, Levi didn't even receive an inheritance of his own, partially because Genesis 49 and what he did there at Shechem but he was given the uh, he was given the op the job, which is really really a hard job to preserve the word of God in the uh, Hebrew language. Only one percent of the world ever spoke Hebrew at any time, and of course the name Hebrew comes from Heber, which is the sons of Heber, which is where uh, where the, which where, where Abraham came from. 
in uh, Hebrews mean ones that crossed over water. And so Abraham in Genesis 14, I believe it is, was called Abraham the Hebrew. And that's where, that's where the name comes from. So uh, if you study languages, you, become, you come to realize that of all the languages in the world and all the Gentile languages in the world, the sentence structure and syntax of all of these languages, the, the language that is closest to God's chosen language, Hebrew, is English. Now, I know that shocks some people. But the fact of the matter is, God knows exactly what he's doing. He used Hebrew to bring the word of God into existence in the Old Testament. If you, if you were going to get the Bible, are you listening now? If you were going to get the scriptures in the Old Testament, you had to go to the Hebrew language and the Hebrew yep. people to get the Bible. The scriptures, meaning writings. Right, right. And and, and why, yeah. 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 Go go ahead. Why go ahead. would it why would it surprise anybody here in 2020 that God would use English, uh, a language that's almost universal worldwide, to give the Bible in the universal language? so that foreign language translations could even be translated out of the King James Bible and have authority, why does, should it surprise the world when nearly 90% of the world speaks English and that God gave us a Bible in these last days that magnify the English language with a possibility of reviving Hebrew during the tribulation and during the millennial reign? And that's, God said he'd turn under the people a pure language, Zephaniah chapter 3. And Hebrew is the purest language this world has ever seen and ever known. English, on the other hand, is a ragtag language made up of many different languages. But Hebrew is a, uh, is a pure language. It's God's language. It's the language of the angels, not Greek. God used Greek because at the time Christ was here on this earth, the Greeks were ahead of science and culture. Yeah. The Romans were ahead of government. That is why Latin was also used. And Hebrew, of course, was used by the Jews uh, to translate the Old Testament and to speak uh, that in the Aramaic. But now in these last days, those languages are considered dead languages around the world. And English is the prominent language. And God is making it where no man on this earth has excuse because they all have access to the yeah. English language through the internet. Right. That's the language of the internet. And I'm sure you folks out there know a lot about the internet. Right. Yep. Yep. Well, they got to be if they're listening. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Once they're listening to somebody else. So there are supposed witnesses to a BC Septuagint. Supposed. Okay. Um, now there's, there's different material. We'll talk about that. If you remind me at the end, we'll talk about some material that okay. our listeners can read and look at. Um, online and different things um, and in book form to further get familiar with this subject. But basically, there's 18 main witnesses <laughs> to a, that's 6 plus 6 plus 6, by the way, yeah. um, to a BC Septuagint, okay, uh, to an LXX BC, okay? So these are, are in a book by Thackeray, The Letter of Aristeus, in, in the appendices. And David Daniels went over this in his book, see if I have it here, Did Jesus Use the Septuagint? Okay, it's a really good little book. I highly recommend it if anybody wants to, to learn more on this. And it's a short book. You can probably get through it in well, however fast the reader is. Yeah. 
maybe one or two or three sittings, okay? So it's a good, but anyway, he goes through the different ones and we're gonna, we're gonna run through, uh, just kind of highlight the stuff that he goes into a little more detail about because we don't wanna take too long on this subject because we're just kind of hitting the high points here. But first of all, the main witness is the letter of Aristeus, uh, which Brother Mitch has already mentioned. Now that letter has got different problems with it, okay? First of all, Aristeus was not a contemporary of Ptolemy. So here's how the story goes. There's a bunch of Ptolemies, yeah. a, a whole bunch of them, yeah. okay? Now Ptolemy Philadelphus was the second one. Soter was the first one, okay? And you can find this, you probably look on like Wikipedia or something and find it, okay? About the different Ptolemies. Now, the Ptolemy that supposedly wanted this, him and his, his dad wanted it too, depending on what witness you're looking at, okay? Um, but Philadelphus wanted a Greek translation of the, of the scriptures, okay? That's how the story goes. And so he sent um, a servant of his to get, bring back some, he, or from, um, to bring back some scholars, okay? to translate this, okay, on the island, and they put them on the island of Pharos where the, where the big lighthouse yeah. was. Um, 400 you, feet tall. Yeah, yeah, the big, the big lighthouse. Um, God put that, in the middle of the ocean. Yeah, it ended up getting destroyed there. But anyway, um, and then they, they went into separate rooms. Now, we're going to talk about these different witnesses because their witnesses disagree. What's the scripture that talks about where they were trying to um, uh, frame... Jesus or Paul one, yes. and their witnesses, witnesses disagreed with each, other. with each other. Okay, same thing here. All right, but anyway, they say that it was a miracle of God because they're, and we'll get into that a little bit more about how it, all their translations were the exact same mm -hmm. wording and everything, and uh, and then that was in between two eighty five and two fifty BC. Yeah. Okay, and and so that's the story now. The problems with that story are many, um, but the letter of Aristeus is the main witness. Now, Brother Mitch mentioned that Aristeus, I mean, who in the world is Aristeus, yeah. for one, okay? Um, and I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but talk about the letter, Brother Mitch, if you will, about the letter of Aristeus, what's in it, and why it's a spoof. Well, men are always trying to find something outside the Bible that's not the Bible. Council of Jamnia in 90 AD, the Jewish council, confirmed the 39 books of the Old Testament. And of course, the early Christians in Antioch confirmed the 27 books of the New Testament, making 66 books. And of course, God bears witness to that all through the Bible. But I have here a copy of the lost books of the Bible and the forgotten books of Eden. Men are always trying to find something uh, like W.C. Fields. They called him reading the Bible when uh, he, he got older. And they said, well, what are you doing reading the Bible? You've been an infidel all your life. He said, I'm looking for loopholes. I'm looking for loopholes. Yeah. And there are no loopholes in the Bible. But see what men are trying to do, writing things like this, to try to find a loophole around the word of God, you must be born again. Yeah. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God's eternal life. Can I put? Can I pause you right there? Yes, bro? you sure can. The Bible talks about 
the Word of God, which worketh effectually in you that believe. Now, just because somebody reads the Word of God doesn't isn't going to make them a great Christian. Yeah. All right? Let me say that again. Just because somebody reads the Word of God is not going to make them a great Christian. It says, which worketh effectually in you that believe. If a man doesn't believe the Word of God that he's reading, he's not going to get near the amount of... God will pro most likely, and it can be evidence with certain cases, uh, not going to give him, generally speaking, what he would somebody that believes right. the book. Absolutely. Okay? God knows the hard attitude. Yeah. So anyway, go ahead. Sorry, I just want to throw And this letter in Forgotten Books of Eden, the letter Aristeus, chapter 2, verse 20, the qu I quote, now, since I, I read, I know since I'm anxious to show my gratitude to those men and to the Jews throughout the world and to the generations yet to come, I've determined that your law, your law, that's the first five books, yep. the Pentateuch. Mm -hmm. That's not the whole uh, Tanakh, the whole Jewish Old Testament. Otherwise known as the Torah. The Torah, yep. yes, the law. He said, it shall be translated from the Hebrew tongue, which is on, in use amongst you, into the Greek language that these books may be added to the other royal books in my library. That is the largest uh, uh, element of truth or proof that the Bible corrector, the Bible corrupter, tries to use to discount the Hebrew Old Testament. Folks, listen, they hate the Jews. They hate the fact that the oracles yeah. of God were given to the Jew. The Gentiles hate the fact that every writer in this Bible, including Luke, is a Jew. It don't bother me. I know where I come in. Kyle knows where he come in. We're, yeah. we're, we're, we're Gentile dogs saved by the grace of God. And I just say, woof, praise the Lord. I'm glad I got in. That comes from yeah. the original canine. Now, folks, listen, if you believe that, then you're going to have to believe everything else is in this work. And if you believe everything in this work, you're going to have to believe that mallard ducks pass out shotguns on the first day of hunting season. Folks, it's, it is, it's a fantasy. This is all a fantasy. It's not in the Bible. God providentially said that he would preserve his word, and that's yeah. what he's done. Yeah. He preserved it in the Greek. He preserved it in the Hebrew. He preserved it in the Aramaic, and he's preserved it in the English. In yeah. this line of Bibles, one line, the King James Bible of 1611, and the yeah. Masoretic Hebrew text is the Old Testament text of this book, and the Septuagint, the LXX, did not figure in it. Yep, yep. So some of you are probably thinking, which we'll, we'll have to get to that in a little bit, about how uh, Origen had the New Testament in front of him when he was doing the hexaplet. Now, all, all those words sound far and away out there if you've never heard of Origen or the hexaplet. We refer you to the first 10 podcasts to learn a little bit about Origen, especially... Uh, I think it was the third one we did, or the second one, when we talked about the catechetical yeah. school at Alexandria. I think that was the second podcast. And you understand, if you know anything about tires, you know about ply and tires, six ply. That's what hexapla means, six mm -hmm. ply. Yeah. Six ply, six columns. Yeah. That's simply a theological word that you learn and pay a tuition to when you go to Bible college and yeah. waste your money. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, you, you pay for the pay for the... The nomenclature. Yeah, you get you get your own language. The terminology. There, like the yeah. trade, the trade language of the tradesman. <laughs> yeah. All right. So a little bit more about Aristeus and letter of Aristeus. Okay. 
Uh, Aristeas says that it was 72 scholars. Now, if you remember, it's also known as the LXX, the Septuagint, which is 70. The letter of Aristeas says 72. Now, where the two went to, nobody knows. I mean, you know, and yeah. we'll talk about that in these other witnesses, um, which are church, there's at least one or more of the church fathers. There's multiple church fathers in here. Um, Irenaeus, Clement of Alexandria, uh, Justin Martyr, different ones. Mm -hmm. Josephus, Philo, we'll talk about them in a little bit, Lord willing. Um, but we're talking about Aristeus right now. Now, Aristeus uh, and David Daniels pointed this out, okay? That he wrote as if looking into the past when he's talking about um, Philadelphus and all that. Now, Aristeus uh, was not a contemporary uh, it, because of the way... I don't want to get too technical here, and I, I don't want to... Um, you can read more about it in here, but it talks about how the people that he mentions when they lived didn't line up right. with Aristeus, right, okay? Right, they didn't. Like the priest Eleazar, how yeah. he was came later, okay? Now, I know that sounds foreign, but like I said, this is just an overview, all right? And he talks about these Egyptian kings... Um, as if he's looking into the past. Now, Philadelphus was the second one. So, if he's talking about these Egyptian kings, plural, now, you had Philadelphus Soter, Phil, uh, Philadelphus, you had Ptolemy Soter, Ptolemy Philadelphus, mm -hmm. okay? Philadelphus, Philadelphus is the second one, okay? So, if, if the letter of Aristeus is saying Egyptian kings, uh, yeah, right. it sounds like he's looking back and he's not a contemporary of 285 to 250 B.C. Yeah. And there's a reason for that. Uh -huh. we'll, we'll get to that here in a little bit, Lord willing. And um, all right, here's, here's a quote here. This is from... Uh, I didn't write down the page, but anyway, for this arrangement had been made by the king, and it is an arrangement which you see maintained to this day. To this day, yeah. that sounds like he's looking into the past. All right, and there's another part in there where he's talking about that he's he is writing this with his future readers in mind. Mm -hmm. Okay, when he's when he's talking about it, whoever is writing this letter of Aristeus. Okay. So the, the, the idea that this letter was happening when they say that the Septuagint was being written just doesn't line up. No. Okay? No, it so doesn't the make sense. The letter of Aristotle is really um, has trouble there. Now, to find a Greek Old Testament from 285 B.C., nobody's found it. Okay? It's not going to be found. Not going to be found too. And... There's a, um, so anyway, I'm probably talking too much here. Say something, Brother Mitch. <laughs> well, the more reading you do on this subject, and of course, this subject is voluminous, it's inexhaustible because that's the way Satan likes to do things. He likes yeah. to confuse people with a volume of information that 90% of the time doesn't matter at all. And dilutes and waters down the truth. Yeah, absolutely. That's what he's a liar from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And uh, all just about all the evidence, the reason why Brother Kyle so astutely made the observation that he's looking back is because it has been almost proven conclusively that the letter of Aristeus was written by Philo. 
Philo was a Jew from Alexandria that lived from 20 B.C. Uh, to 50 A.D. He crossed over the line between the Old Testament and the New Testament, mm -hmm. and he started a catechetical school down in Alexandria, Egypt, that Origen and Clement and Pamphilus and all them continued in a line, and it was a school of rhetoric. It was a school of, of uh, questioning. That's what mm -hmm. uh, catechism is. It's a series of questions and answers and that's 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 what eve uh, the devil told eve yea hath god said devil has not changed his pattern he doesn't have the answers all he can do is render questions jesus christ is the answer and the word of god is the answer but the devil renders questions. What if you didn't believe right? What if you, when you prayed, you didn't, you didn't ask the Lord to save you? What if this? What if? What if? What if? That's satanic. That's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will say, definite what the problem is. But Philo was the man that started this catechetical school that began down through uh, after Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead began to corrupt the Bible little by little, adding Greek philosophy, adding the philosophy of men to the Old Testament and eventually to the New Testament. And, and where Colossians tells you to beware of uh, uh, philosophy and, and vain yeah. deceit. Colossians 2.8. Yeah, and Timothy in, in, in uh, 6.20, 1 Timothy 6.20. Yeah. Uh, science. Science. Beware of science, fault, not 6.20, but science falsely so-called. And so... Uh, that's where we're, we're at today. The, the gods of this world are science, education, and I don't use mm -hmm. the S word, it's carnality. Those are the gods of this world. And all that ties back to one thing, for the love of money is the root of all evil. Mm -hmm. See, these books sell. These books sell. And I mean, it's money. There's money in them there books. Mm -hmm. And that's what it's all about. It's all about money. And so... Uh, what we're here trying to do is not try to get these things taken off the market. That ain't going to happen unless God does it. What we're trying to do is get people to believe the book that God gave them, yeah. to quit trying to go to the Greek lexicons and Hebrew lexicons written by yeah. men that didn't believe the Bible to no. start with Heretics. and believe the book God gave. I mean, the Old Testament interpretation was given many years ago by Wilhelm Jacinius, a German rationalist who didn't even believe the Bible was the Word of God. Mm -hmm. And then Joseph Henry Thayer in the New Testament is used by many Bible colleges to try to correct the King James Bible. The man didn't even believe the Scriptures. He didn't believe mm -hmm. the virgin birth or the deity of Christ. So yeah. why would I go to lost men to try to learn the Bible? Lost professionals. Exactly right. Brother, yeah. you're right lost there. Lost professionals. That's, their, that's how they make a living. That's yeah. how they make a living. Yep. Yeah. So anyway... Um, uh, the thing about Philo, and we're we're already at uh, around 30 minutes here, and we got a lot to cover still on the Septuagint. Now we don't want to bore you, but this is an important subject, so we're gonna we're gonna cut it off here, and uh, the next podcast we're gonna pick up, and it may not be a very long podcast, but we're gonna uh, let's see how it goes. We're, we'll talk about Origen. Now that's a, his Hexapla, Origen's Hexapla and the Latin Vulgate, and we, we'll probably go through some of the other so-called witnesses to a B.C. Septuagint, and like I said, so-called. Um, so look for that in the next podcast, and um, believe the book. Amen. Amen.